It's the Bengals Nation podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Bengals Nation host Jed Demusi with Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Bengals Nation podcast. Jed Demusi and Richard Skinner joining you. We had some audio issues last week, so we're back for the first time in a couple of weeks. Uh, things have stayed the same. The Bengals are still looking for their first win. I was going to say, if you missed the podcast last week as we weren't <laughs> able to do it, what's changed? Yeah, not much has changed. More people have gotten hurt, which yes, we'll changed. talk about in, in a little bit. But I do want to touch on the Arizona game before we move on to this week and Baltimore. Um, just too little too late. This team was able to figure out with seven minutes to go, they were down two scores, came back and tied the game, and then couldn't get a stop defensively at the end and ended up losing by a field goal. But where was that team on the final two drives of the fourth quarter all game? I think, to be honest, they went into that game. Their main goal was to make sure the two guys on the edge didn't get to the quarterback, and that's Terrell Suggs and, and Chandler Jones. Uh, and so I think as a coach, you're scheming around short passing game, uh, max protect, and you get to the point where you have to almost throw some of that out the window and say, listen, we're going to have to drop back, stand in there, chuck it down the field a little bit. They did max protect on the Tyler Boyd touch. That was a two-man route. But I think sometimes you just – I think you, you go in with a plan of, of, of trying to block guys up, and I think it thwarts your offensive plan a little bit. And then when you're down two touchdowns, you just got to throw it all out the window and, and, and wing it, and that's what they ended up doing. Uh, maybe they do more of that moving forward. Maybe you just have to trust the offensive line. And I, you know, I think that happened in Pittsburgh to some degree, and look what happened there. You trusted them, and they, they got you sacked eight times. Um, and I think that's the part that Zach Taylor's been in. I, you know, the Buffalo game, I think I can go back to. The first half was a lot of quick passing game, and it wasn't very effective because Buffalo was up in them. Um, couldn't get many of those passes complete. Second half, they turned to the running game a little bit more, turned to throwing the ball down the field a little bit more, and had success in, in that half. And I think that's where Zach Taylor is as, as a play caller. I don't want to speak for him, but it seems like they, they can't get in that rhythm because of the offensive line. And I think it's just gotten to the point now where, honestly, just trust it and whatever happens, happens. Well, and it's gotten worse. The offensive yeah. line situation has, has gotten worse. As, uh, obviously, we taped this Wednesday after Coach Taylor's press conference, and it sounds like with Andre Smith on the shelf, who was sort of a contingency plan, they're now going with the potential contingency of John Jerry, who did play well, sort of in in got a lot substitution. Of help. Got, got a lot of help. Sure. But I thought he did. Yeah, he did some good things. I saw him pull a couple times. I, I thought he did some good things. They're also considering Alex Redman, who just is yeah. now back on the team. Never played tackle before. We'll look at a couple candidates there. John Jerry and Alex Redman would be two guys that we'd look at at left tackle. Yeah, try, try to find where he can help us on the offensive line right now. Um, we'll move. Billy Price will play left guard this week. Um, so we'll, we'll take a look at him there. You know, it's like we've said, we've had some good guard depth and we have good options there. And so with Alex returning, as you can see with the injury situations we're dealing with at tackle, we'll take a look at him over there. Uh, but excited that we have him back in the fold because he helps us from a depth standpoint. And now could be the starting offensive tackle for the Bengals. Or, against the Raiders. or at least would be the swing tackle. I don't think you'll see him start, but I think he'd be the swing guy if John goes in and isn't very effective or goes down with an injury. I mean, that, that's where you're at right now. I mean, you're taking a guy who's primarily been almost exclusively a guard in his career. I know Zach said in the press conference they repped him a little bit at tackle last week. He's, he's played a lot of guard, um, but he played a left tackle two days last week. And, and so, you know, what I like about Alex Redmond is his attitude. He's physical. He's dialed in. He's, he's spent a lot of extra time lately making sure he knows – um, what his role is, you know, having missed those four weeks of the season, he's done a good job 
trying to get reacquainted with what we're doing on offense. The week that he was, he was, uh, he was just coming back from the suspension, and they had the waiver on him. Um, boy, that is just not a great scenario. And the Cordy Glenn answer just never seems to come, right? I, I'm still mystified by this. He went and saw the doctor last week. I've seen him in the facility a couple times. He was here on Monday. Um, I think he was going to go do a workout because I walked in. He held the door for me, for goodness sake. So I know he was here. He was here today. And still no sign of Cordy Glenn. And this just continues to get more mystifying to me. And I, I'm just having a hard time buying it. He was in impression. a good enough mood to hold the door for you. Yes, he was. That was, that was, I know, that was very nice of him. And I thanked him for that. You know, so. one of your colleagues, uh, Jay Morrison from The Athletic, in this press conference, uh, I don't know how people took it, but I would like to get your thoughts on, is, is there anything? His question was, what does it say about Sean Williams that he's kind of playing hurt to this locker room? And you can almost read in between the lines and say, is this locker room starting to get impression of, of Cordy Glenn or maybe some other guys I saying? I think there is that impression of Cordy Glenn. I mean, I, I thought last week when we talked to Jim Turner and I wrote a piece about it, um, when the question was asked of him of, have you had conversations with Jonah Williams and Cordy? Because Jonah obviously is working back to the injury. Jim was effusive in his praise of Jonah Williams and talking to him. Didn't even mention Cordy Glenn. When I asked him, you know, what, what do you say to Cordy? What, what, he said, I just coach the guys in my room. And if he's not in my room, I don't coach him. I mean, it was pretty damning to me. Um, and it was one of the reasons I think Zach the next day made sure to stop the writers and give us a Cordy update because I think they could tell we were trying to read between the lines and read through the lines. And their whole thing was, well, he's been at the doctor for the last couple of days. Okay, that's fine. So now he's back. And what did the doctor say? I, I, again, I, I, I've said this before to you, Jed. I don't take the concussion stuff lightly. Uh, Mason Rudolph probably shouldn't play for a month, to be quite frank, the no. way he got knocked loopy for the, for the Steelers. But we're talking about now, we're going almost two months of this. Yeah. And, and speaking of Jay, um, he and I were talking at the game Sunday. He said he went back and looked at every play that Cordy played in the first two preseason games and didn't notice it. And Cordy self-reported the concussion after game two. That, that was his self-report. Right. Uh, so it's... It seems, I mean, if it would have been really bad, I think and, and that's not to say it. that, you know, it's not to, say not that he to speculate and say that right. it didn't happen. And, but I, yeah. and I hate to do that, but I mean, this is not normal coming out of concussion protocol. Uh, you know, Alex Erickson, I'll be willing right. to bet you he's not back this week, but I'll bet you he's back next week. So yeah. I, I don't, it's, it's just odd. And yeah, I thought the answer on Sean was great because Sean is playing hurt. And Sean's got a big brace on his leg and talking about playing Sunday, for goodness sakes. Holy cow. Yeah, and it did sound like Erickson was at least working back yeah, and, and maybe in an attempt to, to play. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's usually hard. You, we'll, we'll see how much he gets out of the next two days and if he can at least get a practice in because there are stages and steps you have to go through. The thing for Cordy was, I go back to, he was about at the midway point in the stage of coming back leading into the preseason opener against Seattle. I mean, he was out there doing a workout. Right. That's like the stage. Right. He was out there actually two weeks ago doing position drills. I think you were probably there one day filming it. With a helmet on. Yeah. That's another step With forward. bands. He was doing bands. Yeah, but he was doing yeah. position drill stuff, though. He was doing oh, yeah, you know, yeah, technique yeah. work and, and those kind of things with his position group. He obviously didn't take part in 11 on 11s because he was listed as a limited participant. So that would have signified he's kind of working his way back. And here we are again. And what do we got? We got nothing. Yeah. Um, ba- uh, 0-5, this team, I'm going to ask you this. Which was this loss to the Cardinals – the most infuriating one of the five, based on what we know now about the other games. Infuriating, that's the question. Infuriating one of the five? Um, I'd say yes, Is it the worst of the five losses? No, the Pittsburgh one to me was, because the Pittsburgh one to me drove home the point that you just don't have personnel to win. That's what it drove home to me. I think you had personnel enough to beat Arizona, so that's what what makes that infuriating. 
Um, you know, it was a winless football team with a rookie quarterback making his fifth start in the NFL. Right. You should you should pounce on those kind of teams, right? And, and it's a team that's got some defensive deficiencies. So infuriating, I guess. I, I think for the fan base, I'm not sure if they're in the infuriated stage or the apathetic stage, and it feels like they're leaning more more yeah. towards the latter. And now it's almost, I, I think as a fan, you you need to see some kind of significant change in the way they do business before you can really get your fandom back. I, I think this organization really thought deep down that they could bring in a new head coach and that would get the fan base back and that everything would be right with the world. Well, it isn't, and it hasn't, and you have to show them something different. Uh, until you do, man, you are heading into a death spiral that I've been through in my lifetime. I don't want to go through that spiral again, um, and, and it feels like that's where you're trending. Certainly injuries have, have played yeah, a part sure. in that, but, but maybe not enough was done in the offseason or, or to no. put sort of the parts around Zach Taylor that, that needed to give this team uh, a measure of success in his first year. All right, when we come back with you, we're going to get your prediction on uh, the second divisional game of the year for the Bengals as they hit the road against the Baltimore Ravens. Let's dive deeper into the Zach Taylor press conference this week. A lot of people wondered, why did it take the Bengals going down 14 points in the fourth quarter to kind of kickstart the offense into gear to tie the game? Why can't the offense just be in gear when the game starts? We're just trying to find the best mixture as we go on the road to, to help ourselves have success. And, and you do see that in a lot of games. You see low-scoring first halves, and then all of a sudden there's a big points explosion at the end. And um, a little bit is the urgency when you're down. Obviously, you're pushing the tempo more and throwing the ball, and the defense is a little more tired at that point as well. So the pass rush isn't quite what it was in the first half. And so you just got to find that balance of where do we want to use our tempo, where do we want to push the ball down the field, what are the right moments to do that? And and uh, in that game, you know, as the game went, it was it was a long game and felt like we had success. But it's something we certainly evaluate every week. Much will continue to be made out of Andy Dalton's performance this year. The quarterback gets the attention on every team, good or bad. Coach Taylor very happy with the way his quarterback has brought new guys into the fold. I thought Andy's decision making in the past game was really solid, and he gave guys an opportunity. And so, I, from that standpoint, I, I thought that he. It's hard. He hasn't had a lot of reps with some of those guys. They've taken reps with Finley or Jake or on the scout team, but um, they get called up to duty, and Andy trusted them, let the ball go, and, and those guys stepped up and made some plays for him. The respect remains mutual for Dalton and Taylor. Andy taking the podium this week, as he does every week, saying the Bengals' record has nothing to do with the preparation. Each week we've, we've prepared like we're going to go in and we're going to win the game. So that, that can't change, and that's not changing here. You know, I think with the culture that Zach has set here, I mean, I th- nobody's going to treat this week any different just because of what the record is. Everybody's all in on everything that we're doing. And so, um, you know, I, there's going to be no change. We're going to prepare like we're going to win this game. Let's take a listen to what you can expect on Bengals Nation this week, Saturday night on Local 12 at 1130. In the Trenches with Carlos Dunlap takes us in the kitchen. Employee 9-6 giving us a tour of the Bengals cafeteria. And his go-to breakfast. You got a banana. You take a half a banana. Get you some oats and honey that I like to put in there for more flavor. Get you some almond milk. It's a little bit leaner. Almond milk gives you energy a little bit differently and has higher amount of protein than the average milk. More from Carlos this week as he talks to the chefs to see what goes into meal prepping for an NFL team. Chris Wrinkle is back in the tailgate lot this week, this time with Bengals fan Dan. 
who's ready to go this year. That's the first of the year. We're all pretty excited to see the new quarter, or not quarterback, but the new coach. Um, we've been doing this for about 11 years. And I think this year is a little special for us. We have our own bar, so, you know, we've got quite a few people from the bar up here, and we're just ready to have some fun. More on the fan faves. What is a part of Dan's tailgate that he calls the boss? Back with Richard Skinner as we look to the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, uh, he is, for better or worse, a lightning rod of attention, good or bad. He's had flashes of good. He's had not so good as well. But obviously, with moving Joe Flacco to Denver, Baltimore is pushing all their chips to the center of the table with this Heisman Trophy winner from Louisville. He can run. And he can make some good throws. He, he can make some. He can make some bad throws as well. Are, are you sold on him being their quarterback of the future? No, but I will give them this. They've decided that that is their identity. You know, they went out and got Mark Ingram in the offseason to add to that running game and to add to Lamar Jackson. They got him a legitimate weapon in, in Hollywood Brown in the, in the draft. They've got some real talent at tight end that can help a quarterback like Lamar. Yeah. I, I don't believe. Boykin, too, in the draft. I mean, they went yeah, hard right, in the draft. No, right, yeah, right, right, um, right. So they obviously decided they were, they were all in on that, and so I applaud them for that. Um, I just don't know if long-term that that style of quarterback can win in this league or stay healthy long enough in this league. Um, he is a d- dynamic athlete, obviously. Um, I don't know if he's – everybody, I think, after week one got over their skis that look at Lamar the passer now. Well, now you can go in retrospect and realize just how godforsaken awful Miami is. Um, you know, when they had to play catch-up against, uh, against Cleveland, that didn't work out so well. No. When they can play with Lamar in the lead or around the lead, he's a much more effective quarterback. And, they, you know, last year when they plugged him in, it was, it was, a, it was a jolt for them, and it worked out perfectly. It was a great decision. Right. You can't fault it. And, and um, I think they needed something, and that was the spark that they got. They obviously schemed around his skill set. I think the hope then is he evolves a little bit more as a passer. But I, I, no, I'm not sold. But I am sold the kid knows how to win because he's, you know, he's got him in first place in this division and uh, not by himself. But he got him to the playoffs last year, and he was a big reason why that that happened. Almost brought him back in the, in the playoff game they lost to uh, to the to the Chargers, I guess it was, or whoever it was in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah um, they were down big in that game and, and came back. So I, I, the thing is, I think they believe in him, and I think that that says a lot. This is a Ravens team that's coming off of overtime win at Pittsburgh, and it was sort of mystifying to me when they went to overtime. Pittsburgh won the toss and elected to play defense first. In NFL overtimes, if a team scores a touchdown on their first possession in overtime, the game's over. So to give a team the ball to start in overtime is a calculated risk. And Mike Tomlin, the Steelers coach, after the game said, our kick return was so bad that day that we didn't want to have a bad kick return and have to punt it to Justin Tucker. And Justin Tucker scares you has, pr- has scared you enough that when you win a toss in overtime, you are not taking the well, ball. And I think the other part, too, is you were down to your third-string quarterback. Too. True, so I think very your best, true. Your best part is let's get a three and out, give him a shorter field to work. Sure. We can work ourselves in the field goal range. But I think the Justin Tucker part is, is really accurate, that he literally scares you into thinking, we're going to lose this game on a 57-yard field goal. Um, and we, we don't want to do that. Is so. there anyone like him in the NFL? No. I mean, Greg Zerline can be at times, but he's nowhere he near. He missed a big one, yeah, though, right. against he, Seattle. He's nowhere near as consistent as, consistent as, as Tucker is. Um, it's, it's weird. I mean, obviously, the, the big story from last year for, for Tucker was the missed extra point against right. New Orleans, which stunned the world. That My gosh, the guy never misses a kick from anywhere, and he shanks an extra point. And some of that, I think, was wind-related, if I recall. But no, I mean, 
he is he is an honest to goodness weapon that if you get around the 50 if you're a defense you're thinking man we can't give up one more first down and they got three points on the board and i think that puts a lot of pressure on you as a defensive play caller and as a defense and it's certainly not something an 0 and 5 team wants to no, walk right. into that you've got a kicker that is you know, trending towards potentially being in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I think he absolutely is. Yeah, right I, now he's yeah, in. I think he is. I, I mean, it, it just his his accuracy alone. But then you combine yeah. the accuracy with the with the ability to, to kick him from nine miles away. Yeah, he's he's a weapon. I mean, a legit weapon. Yeah. Okay. That being said, Bengals and the Ravens. You can see the game one o'clock on local twelve. What is your prediction? For you know, I, look, the Ravens' three wins have come over the Steelers, which we don't think is very good, and their only wins over the Bengals. It's over; the, they beat the Cardinals and struggled. We're all out at home to beat them and beat the Dolphins in, in Week One. Um, the Bengals aren't winning this game. I can't, I can't make a case that they can win a game till I see them win a game. To be quite honest with you, but you know this league. I mean, they, they're coming off that physical, emotional game of the rivalry of the Steelers and. Uh, the, you know, human nature is, oh, goody, we get the Bengals, we get the layup week. You can, if you have any thoughts in that in the NFL, it comes back to get you. So I think the Bengals hang around. They've done it in three of their five games to this point. Baltimore Baltimore 23-17 thanks to three 50-yard J- Justin Tucker field goal. And crazy things kind of happen when the Bengals they go do. to Baltimore. They do. Um, you know, even even last year it was Lamar's first start, and Bengals, you know, had some chances in, in that game. And, right. and, you know, Andy Dalton's had some good games in Baltimore, albeit when he had A.J. Green to, to throw the ball up to. So, yeah, and again, coming off that Steelers game, I just uh, human nature is what it is. I, I, like I said, I think they, they hang around. Um, you know, if they could somehow play from, from in front and, and make Lamar have to do some things in the passing game, maybe you have a fighting chance to win. But I think you would agree with me. I, it's impossible to pick them until they show you they can win a football game, and they haven't won very many of them in the last 16, just two of them. Yeah, so it is, it is tough to predict or, or to prognosticate that they're going to win. So. 23-17 is Skinny's pick for the game Sunday. We thank you for tuning into the podcast, and we will see you next week as we get ready for the Jacksonville Jaguars.